Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate on the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal of this series is to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights from working with health professionals and organizations across the country. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are top of mind. Now let's get started. Hello, I'm Daniel Marino. Welcome to another edition of Value-Based Care Insights. Over the past 10 years or so, as we all know, those of us that have been in healthcare for quite some time, there has been this ongoing trend of physicians joining hospitals, health systems, and an employment structure. More and more independent physicians have really transitioned into employment for a whole host of reasons, some of which has been, you know, I think the business challenges that are associated with our industry are complex. Many physicians just, you know, don't feel like they can survive or make the income that they can in an independent structure versus an employment structure. But yet there is a number of physicians who really feel like independence is the way to go. If you recall, a couple months back, I had a great physician colleague on the program, Dr. Asad Zaman. Dr. Zaman was an independent physician for a number of years and really weathered a lot of the storm around COVID and the transitions that had occurred around changes in reimbursement and contracting and so forth, and has done a really good job. But there are a few physicians who have gone the employment route and have decided, hey, I want to try independence. I'm entrepreneurial. I've got some ideas in terms of how I can make a successful move to independence, provide a lot of value for patients, so on and so forth. On the program today, we have one of those physicians. Dr. Carlos Torrey is my guest today. He is a board-certified otolaryngologist, board-certified sleep medicine, and board-certified obesity medicine physician. He specializes in medical and surgical management of sleep disorders and optimizing nasal breathing for patients who have challenges with sleep. Dr. Torrey, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure to be here. So, Dr. Tori, you know, when we had met in a number of months back, one of the things that you had mentioned to me was you felt like, given your specialties, you felt like, given your practice per se, that you can really make a difference to patients. You could really make a difference within the community. What were some of the reasons beyond that that you were thinking that you wanted to make this move into independence? Yes. Yeah, so, this is a very interesting question, Dan, because After I finished my training, I went into the academic setting, and it was something that I was really excited about because I thought it was an opportunity for me to continue developing my skills, get more experience, and in a field like mine of sleep surgery and sleep medicine, that is a relatively new field and where there are still many things that need to be defined in terms of uh, how how things are done and, and, and what we offer our patients. I thought it was a good opportunity to take that time to kind of discover those things by myself and and uh, come up with my own ideas. I know, Carlos, when we were talking early on, you know, we had talked about differentiating yourself, right? And, you know, there's sleep disorder and 
There's a number of sleep clinics that are out there, but you had the vision of doing it different, right? And as we talked about creating a differentiator with for patients and for contracting purposes, you know, what were some of the things that you were thinking about to create that differentiator for yourself? So I felt that having my own practice and being an independent provider definitely gave me the opportunity to be more flexible, have more autonomy, to do things my own way and in the way that I thought made sense for my patients and that actually allowed me to provide the type of care that I wanted to provide. And also, finally, I I mean, I thought that being an independent provider also did not put any limit in your growth potential and designing a path that makes sense for where you want to take your practice and how you want to expand it. So that was my rationale behind developing my own independent practice rather than continuing being part of a group or joining a larger group uh, where you're still part of a system. And to some degree, you might be a little bit limited. Yeah, I I agree with that. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, one of the positive aspects of owning your own business is the fact that you can move at your own pace, right? So you can move as fast as you want. You know, you're responsible for the decisions, you know, and with that responsibility of the decision becomes a level of of risk and and reward. And I would think for a physician who's, who, you know, is, is, you know, you're fairly young, you've got great credentials behind you, you've got a vision, you've got a market differentiator, it provides you a great opportunity to move pretty quick, right? And to really begin to penetrate the market and provide an excellent service for patients. Yes, I agree. I mean, definitely as an independent provider, there are many challenges considering the healthcare world that we are navigating these days. Certainly, you know, as an independent provider, you have that flexibility where, and and it gives you what what you mentioned, you know, you, you can move fast in the direction that you want to because you don't have to consult with anyone regarding what you want to do. If you think that you have a good idea and it's something that you want to incorporate into your clinic or it's a service that you want to provide, you can just go ahead and do it. But certainly, you know, there are some limitations being alone that can also slow down that process of growing. But I think there are ways, you know, to go around that in order to be able to to achieve your goals and and do what you want to do. Yeah, I I agree with you. I want to get to those limitations in a second, but I want to talk a little bit about how you started to transition from the employed structure that you had to independence. Help our audience or take our audience through that journey. So when you decided to move into independence, what were the first couple of things that you did? Were were you able to, you know, did you just go out and hang your own shingle? Did you connect with a hospital? Did you connect with other physicians? What were some of the things that were really important on your journey into independence? Well, I think the first step is really doing a lot of uh, self-discovery and learning what you really want to do and what gives you job satisfaction. In my case, I had been planning for a long time that I wanted to develop my own practice. Certainly, it is something that is very challenging and and in a way that you got to make the decision to take the risk. And I think that the reward after taking the risk is humongous. So I have been thinking about doing this for quite a while. And then when COVID hit, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to start planning and putting together all the ideas that I had. And, uh, and how I could start working on creating my own practice. So 
the first thing that I really did was to organize everything, all the knowledge and uh, things that had worked for me that had not worked for me, strategies that I wanted to design, services that I wanted to provide that I was not providing at the moment while I was in the academic setting and putting everything together into a basic plan of how I wanted it to look like and how I wanted it to grow over the next couple of years. So that was that was really the first step that I took. So the planning part of that, I think, was really key for you, right? I mean, yes, definitely. Like I think the of... planning. Yeah, the planning yeah. is key. So, I mean, if, if I, like anything in life, I think if you don't have a good plan, you kind yeah. of lose sight of where you want to go. So, Well, it helps you organize your thoughts, right? And understand what your priorities are. Yes. And, you know, I think then you take a little bit more of a pragmatic approach in understanding where to start and mitigating some of the risks going forward. I agree 100% with you. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you don't have too much experience, which was my case, I really did not have any experience with any kind of business before I jumped into into creating my practice. So that planning was a very important part of it. Obviously, being able to consult with people like you and the Lumina group was something that was very helpful because it gave me the guidance that I needed in order to determine what were the steps that I needed to take moving forward in order to make this a successful practice. Yeah, that's great. I I absolutely agree. So when you transitioned, when you made the decision to transition out and you built your plan, right, what were kind of the next steps that you did, right? Because just getting out there and and hanging up a shingle that says, hey, I'm here, come see me, probably isn't going to work, right? So what were the things that you did to start making your connection, especially as a specialist, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're, your success is predicated on the referrals that you get either from the hospital or from physicians. What were the next things that you did to make yourself known in the community? Well, the good thing is that I had been in the community where I'm working for the for five years already. So I already, I felt like I had, I had a strong referral basis from other physicians and dentists. And also uh, I had a significant number of patients from that area that also, you know, had been seeing me for, for several years. So they knew me already. So for me, That transition was something that I was not too concerned about because I knew that I was not going to start from zero. I knew that I already had a strong basis of patient referral that could help me start my clinic when I went independent. But definitely the cultivation of those relationships is key. And that's something that I try to work on since I started my uh, practicing back uh, five five years ago and uh, giving, you know, the, the referring physicians always having a good communication with them, trying to work together in in, in establishing goals in the treatment plans that we're designing for our patients and trying to provide a good service for our patients as well. And then, you know, at the level of the patients as well, trying to do the same thing, right? That they feel that they're taken care of and, and, uh, and that they're getting the best quality of care. I think that's something that has been key. And that's something that I started working on even before I decided to make the move. And that I think that we need to continue working on, you know, uh, on a daily basis in order to continue growing and expanding the practice. Yeah. Did you um, did you transition to a new hospital? I mean, I, I would assume then you said you were with an academic setting. Mm-hmm. Um, did you you know you're, not, you're still not with that academic setting, right? You transitioned to a new hospital or at least affiliated with a new hospital. Yes. Yeah, so my relationship with the hospital where I, that I work at right now or I don't work for the hospital. I basically have privileges at the hospital where I can operate. I see consults and uh, and I can provide service, but I don't have any ties 
to the hospital that that where I'm, you know, I'm not employed by the hospital in any way or or, or the hospital network of the hospital that I work for. Yeah. So I, I think from a hospital perspective, I mean, that's a perfect setting, right? Yeah. That's a perfect situation because they get a strong physician such as yourself. They're not necessarily, you know, they don't have to employ you. They're probably providing some resources to support your practice, Mm -hmm. but you're fulfilling a pretty big need for them. And I think from then your perspective to have that alignment with the hospital, obviously is what's going to create your referral base and really position you strong within the community. Is that kind of on track? I agree. I agree. Uh, I've been lucky that at the hospital where I work and in the area where I'm providing care, there are not too many people with my specialty. And, and that helps in that I don't have a lot of competition uh, in terms of uh, consults or patient referrals. So definitely that helps a lot. And uh, so it's a win-win situation for everyone because I get those referrals, but then I'm providing a service to the hospital that they didn't have before. Yeah, that and that makes sense. And I think that probably supported what you had talked about earlier, your differentiator in the market, right? I mean, it didn't sound like there were too many physicians that were providing the same level of service that you did around sleep disorders and so forth. And that, you know, that helped, right? Because then, you know, you, you, you created a niche for yourself, aligning yourself with that hospital. Yeah. I mean, the support from the hospital, there's no doubt that helps a lot. Um, I think that in terms of practice development and creating my own, my own clinic and, and, and developing my own niche, uh, it helps the volume of patients that I get from the hospital, but you have to be able as an independent provider to offer a different kind of service that is attractive for patients and that uh, makes you different from everyone else around there. And I think that's something on my specialty. I've been lucky that uh, there, there aren't too many sleep surgeons um, in, 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 in my area uh, and, and definitely many sleep clinics do not provide an integrated care for these patients that includes the surgical, the clinical aspect of it. So, so that helps. But uh, I, like, I, like I was saying, I think it is important the combination of both, getting that support from the hospital network, but at the same time, you need to offer something that is attractive for the patients and the other referring physician to send you patients and to have patients come into your clinic to make an appointment because you can offer something that they cannot find in too many other places. Yeah, well, it sounds like, you know, what you've what you've really done is you've leveraged yourself and built your brand and did it in a way that you, you, you did it around really your certifications. I mean, God, being board certified in three specialties is phenomenal. And you created that into a niche. And that's really what you developed into your brand. So I, I think that's really that's really exciting. You know, one question comes to mind and without getting into too much of the details, because I'm sure some of this is confidential, but did you have any issues with your restricted covenant when you were transitioning out of your, your you know, the academic setting or your employment role into independence? How did that play into some of your decision-making as you transitioned into an independent provider? Yeah, no, it, I, I had one and it definitely played a role. That was um, that was one of the obstacles that I was facing when I was trying to make the decision of whether to continue working in my academic position or to uh, jump into private practice. It played a role because I have uh, uh, the non-compete is for a 50 mile radius from the 
from the hospital where I was working before. So uh, where I live in Miami, 15 miles is really not that much. <laughs> if you go northeast, west, it doesn't matter. Uh, you're probably going to be within that 15 mile radius. Luckily, uh, I have one of the satellite clinics where I worked at for the past five years was outside that 15 mile radius. And that's where I decided to establish my new clinic. And, um, and so my decision to establish my, my practice where I am certainly had to do with the non-compete that I had. It was also, I thought, a good opportunity because, as I mentioned before, there aren't too many physicians with my specialty in this area. So as an independent provider, and that's also, I think, uh, something that is very important to, con to consider, I did not have much competition where I am compared to if I was in Miami, uh, where there are a lot of other ENT physicians and, uh, and sleep doctors, where definitely, you know, we would be competing for patient referrals and, and all that. So right. you know, it worked out pretty well. I definitely had that restriction, but at the same time, this was a great opportunity for me to establish an independent practice. And just to clarify that you said 15, right? One, five, not, not one five. five. Yeah, one, okay, five. That's what I thought. Yeah, I thought you said that. Yeah, so 15 miles isn't really that far. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, you know, as you were thinking about where to establish your practice, I think, you know, your, your market review that you did helped you identify, you know, a niche, right? So there was a lack of, of physicians who probably provided the same level of servicing that you did around sleep disorders. And, you know, that's how you built your brand. So I, I give you a lot of credit for that. That really, that really makes sense. Where do you see yourself going in the next three to five years? I mean, you just started your practice, right? So maybe it's an unfair question, but it sounds like to me, you're a planner, Carlos. So you, you probably have an idea of where you want to be in the next three to five years. Any thoughts come to mind? Yeah, I mean, it, definitely I am right now in the developing process and I'm trying to build my practice, uh, trying to offer at this point the different service that I can provide without having any other partners or, or any other provider that it's needed in order to provide the services that I want to offer my patients. So right now I'm in that process of building my own independent practice, bringing in different services uh, that don't depend on anyone else but myself. So, so I'm in that step right now and probably for the next year, that's what I plan to continue doing and to continue expanding my, my, my referral source and uh, reaching out to more patients and, uh, and, and continue to promote my, my brand. And uh, hopefully, you know, it gets to the point where we already have enough patients and we can start already looking at our data and seeing if the integrated services that we are providing for patients with sleep disorders. And, um, and you know, if that, if, if, if that service actually is helpful, you know, for the patient, mm -hmm. if it helps lowers the risk of developing other conditions, if it lowers the risk of hospitalizations and different other data points that we're looking at and uh, on which we plan to continue collecting data in order to measure how effective the services that we are providing are for these patients. And, uh, but moving forward, once, we show that it works and what we're doing actually saves money in healthcare. And at the same time, you know, that we're providing a good quality care for our patients. Then the idea is basically hopefully to partner up, you know, with a larger network, either of hospitals or an ACO or, you know, some other group that can help us 
uh, take what I'm doing right now as an independent provider and expand it to be able to provide the same quality care to a greater a number of patients and uh, and in different areas. So that's that's really the the goal moving forward. Well, it sounds exciting, I'll tell you. And yep. I think just having that that vision of where you'd like to take the practice, building on the brand and what you put in place, I, I think that sounds like a just a, an exciting opportunity for you, certainly in your market. Thinking back, you know, in starting your practice, what's been the most difficult part? So if you were to share with our audience or, you know, we have a number of physicians who, you know, do listen to our, our program, maybe thinking about getting into an independent practice, what's been the, I guess, the most difficult part of that journey for you? Well, I'll start on a personal level. Overcoming the fear of doing this on your own, I think, is, has been probably the most challenging. Uh, right. I can see that. Absolutely. And I think that's for any any person that's, you know, an entrepreneurial starting your own business, right? It's, it's, it's making that initial jump into, into a solo business. Definitely. That that was, especially when you are in a situation as an employee where you feel like you have certain things, you know, that give you a lot of security. You have a family, you know, that taking a risk, uh, it's something that you think about it more than when you're young and you don't have anyone that depends on you. So definitely, uh, Overcoming that fear of of wanting to of, of leaving you know a, a, a very secure position and jumping into the unknown, it's something that I feel is a great challenge. But once you make that decision, I think that the level of satisfaction that you feel at a personal level is just a driving force for you to keep moving forward. However, you know challenges that I've faced uh, and uh, and uh, you know that I think are. Definitely th- uh, challenges that we can be dealt with. First of all, the negotiation with the contracts. We all know that, you know, when you're part of a larger group, you have a lot more leverage to negotiate contracts with the insurance companies. So that's something that I found, and I'm still in that process, you know, but I found that, that is, that's a little bit harder. Negotiating with the payers is the tough part, right? Yes. Because obviously it, that's what drives your income and you know, like you said, you're you're an independent provider. You don't have as much leverage. So I could see that being probably the biggest thing to overcome for for independent providers. Not impossible, but I, I do think it is a challenge. No doubt about it. Yeah, it, it is definitely a challenge. But if you want to stick to the idea of being an independent provider, I think that you have to come up with a plan, um, as I mentioned before, of providing a cohesive program and services in a way that you can then show the insurance companies that what you're doing helps them save money, you know, and that what you're doing, actually, you're providing a unique quality of care, you know, and, and type of service that helps the insurance plans and the members of their group, or the same thing for the hospital systems, right? So the collection of data over time, I think it's an essential component in being able to grow as an independent provider. Certainly, we don't have the leverage at the beginning when we start our practice to, to negotiate with the insurance companies the way that a larger group does. But again, you have the flexibility to do things in a way that you think makes sense and that would improve the quality of care that you are providing compared to other clinics. And then you can go and show that you know, to, the, to the different networks that you want to partner up with in the future. And that certainly can lead to better rates and, uh, and, you know, more profit for you as an independent provider. Right. 
I mean, it really comes down to you positioning your your value proposition. You have right? to you have to show them that you have value. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, for some of the physicians, as I mentioned, that are, are listening to our program, that are maybe considering joining either an independent group or starting their own practice, couple thoughts around, say, some final advice that you might give to some of these physicians. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I think. Uh, if you want to go independent, you have to make a point of doing of being different. And by being different, I mean not doing things that are experimental or you know that uh, that we don't know if it's going to work or not. It's just being able to offer uh, different services to treat a specific problem that you specialize on uh, or that you focus on, but in a way that it's cohesive. In my case, for example, you know, I found that many patients with sleep disorders, uh, when they go see a sleep doctor, many times they are treated, you know, either if they go see a clinician, they're treated with a CPAP machine. If they go see an ENT, they're offered, you know, surgery. Uh, but there is no integration really of the services. And that's why, you know, I decided to uh, incorporate into my practice the clinical aspect of sleep medicine, the surgical, but also the obesity management you know, in order to be able to address and, and, and attack the root causes of, of the issues that these patients have. So I think developing that, those services are, that, that make sense, you know, and that are cohesive between them, it's important so that you have a program, you know, that it's easy for the, for the patients to, to follow. I think, I think it's, what we were talking about before, establishing good relationship with the referring physicians and the hospital networks in your area is very important. Um, because that's what's going to help your practice grow. Another thing that I found that it's key and that I've been very strategic about isn't keeping your low your your costs as low as possible, and to stay focused on how you want to grow and, and and also to grow slowly. And I don't mean sacrificing the quality of care that you're offering or you want to do. I just you know what I try to do is basically understand where I want to go and find for potential ways to be able to provide the same quality of care without having to spend as much money, you know, as one could. Um, and, you know, that, that includes buying instruments for your clinic, that includes services that you want to offer, buying equipment, um, a, you know, the, the lease and the size of the, of the clinic where you provide care. I feel that uh, a common mistake between that that some independent providers might make is that you want to grow too fast right. and you start off, you know, with a lot of expenses and that it makes it difficult for you to grow. And I feel that if you are able to provide the, the care that you want to provide and do the things that you want to do at the lowest possible cost that, that you can afford, then, you know, that's a great recipe for success and to continue growing, right? Because you're always going to have some capital on your side in order to invest in the things that are going to help bring value to your program. Right. Well, and I think, you know, that's an important point. You have to tr stay true to the vision, right? And to the plan. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we all, I think, get anxious and want to move fast, right? You want to get to that, that end result quick, but in some cases, you know, I think having patience in the with the process is probably the most important element. 
and is probably the hardest thing to really overcome, right? Because, you know, we're anxious and we want to move forward and oh, yeah. we want to be successful and, and so forth. So I can see how that really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Dr. Tori, I, I want to thank you for your time today. Your story is, is fascinating. And I wish you a tremendous amount of luck in your practice. I feel like, you know, you're positioned for success. It sounds like the way that, you know, you've shared your story today, you know, you're going about this the right way. You've, you've certainly have done your homework in planning and I think have done your homework in establishing your, your niche for yourself and, and really a great service within the practice. So I commend you for that and certainly wish you a lot of luck going forward. Thank you very much, Dan. I, I, you know that I, I um, appreciate you a lot and as well as uh, the rest of your team. And uh, it's really been my pleasure to be able to be part of this podcast and to um, continue collaborating with you. Great. Well, thank you. And and, I'd love to have you back maybe in another six months or in a year. I'd love to to come back and hear your story and see how things have have gone. Would you do that for us? That would be great. That would be great. Great. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So just in, in summary, as we've talked about, it is scary for physicians who have um, are in an employment setting and maybe considering moving into an, an independent role. But I think as Dr. Tory said, the key to it is really planning. It's being true to the vision. It's understanding where you want to go. One important point, though, that he brought up, which I think is the foundation of any strong business, it's the relationships that you develop along the way. And one of the things that Dr. Tory did that I think was particularly impressive, was he established good relationships, not just with his patients, but with his referring providers and with the new hospital that he started to, you know, that that he was going to affiliate with. Those are keys to his success. You can't build a business on your own. You need to make sure that you're having that relationship. You can't build a practice on your own. You need to make sure you, you know, build the relationships with the physicians and the hospitals and so forth. So wonderful discussion today. I I, want to thank Dr. Tori again for his time. Until next time, I'm Daniel Marino. Thank you and have a great day. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights Podcast by Lumina Health Partners. Lumina is your partner on a journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry faces daily. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. If you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at LuminaHP.com insights. Join us again where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with some of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.